So before we get the boys on here, here's a little bit about their album Damnum. Uh, first of all, it's pronounced Damnum. You say the end. This is the first episode of the podcast where we're going to be talking about an album that isn't out yet. It comes out February 25th. So I put a link in the description also where you can pre-order and pre-save it and all that stuff. Um, it's going to be the band's sixth full-length album. It's their third one with Riley McShane on vocals. Um, and it's the first one with their new newest member of the band, Jeff Saltzman, playing drums. They recorded it with Dave Otero at Flatline Audio in Denver. So you know it's going to sound awesome. Um, they have thus far released two singles from it. The first one being Into Embers and uh, the other one of Beasts and Worms. I say, Actually, I'm not sure that that was the order in which they came out. but the, um, And they each have an accompanying awesome music video. And the last cool fact about the album is that it is fucking cool. It's so good. It's so good. I was lucky to have been able to listen to the whole thing. And you guys are in for a treat. So please welcome... Riley, Mikey, and Greg from a Legion. Hey, dude, what's up? Hello, hello. I said uh, Riley's name. He's not here yet. He'll be joining us a little bit late. He's a vocalist. They're always late. Yeah, <laughs> he's. He said he'd be here at a certain time. He also said he was going to help with loading. So yeah, yeah, exactly. What are you gonna do? There's only so much. So, where are you guys uh, joining us from currently? Where are you located? I'm in Ottawa. Oh. And then uh, I'm in uh, Denver. Denver, Ottawa. Or Norway. You didn't have to go. (laughs) 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 You're wherever you... It doesn't matter where you... You're in the fucking forest. I could be in the woods with my friends in Norway. I could be (laughs) in Florida watching Vince Neil fall. Damn. (laughs) My Zoom game is not strong enough nearly at all well we're here to talk about your songwriting process for the new album i'm very excited to hear it because there are uh, you know this is the seventh episode of this podcast and i am consistently learning new things about um how people write songs and everybody seems to do it slightly differently some people drastically differently the stuff that you do tickles me in in all the right ways it does all the stuff that I'm always... T- all your songs do the things that I'm always fucking telling everybody to do. So I do a lot of song critiques. I get a lot of like... Well, just not very interesting, especially harmonically interesting songs. And you guys have awesome, awesome chord changes in your in your music. Really interesting, spicy chord changes. Cool, just fun shit. Beyond the the usual like fucking Iron Maiden chords, like ba- you know, basic bitch shit. And I'm very curious to know um, how you go about coming up with that shit. Very excited for this episode. All that to say, the question, the the first question, really the only question, and all the other qu- other questions are follow up questions. Which is, what was the songwriting process like for this album, and how is it different from how you've done it in the past, if at all? It kind of started the same way as most of the other records where it's usually like Greg and I writing separately, like at home, um, and then coming together once it's like getting closer and kind of figuring out what the album is sounding like. Uh, but this time, since we had uh, more time with everything being canceled and all that, we were able to actually get together as a whole group like a couple times. Uh, I think it was six months out from when we went to record and actually went through each song you know, like in our DAWs and basically deconstructed them, reconstructed them. And had be a much more collaborative effort from like just in the song writing, like instrumental part uh, this time around. I think it 
create a much more like cohesive sound on the overall album. Yeah, absolutely. At least for my parts and kind of for, you know, most of the other instruments, it would be like Gregor Mikey would write a song and then like that was it. That was just like the song and any changes that would happen would generally happen in the studio. And then everybody else would kind of come in and just kind of put their parts on top of it and and make it work. But with this one, it was much more of a like, okay, we get the songs and now we take the time to be like, okay, does this work? Does this not work? Like, what do you guys think? Are you, you know, cool with this part? What can we do to change it? And a lot of times I've found, I think that one of the reasons that maybe we've avoided doing it for so long like that is because when you have that many cooks in the kitchen, you can lead to a lot of like clashing opinions and butting of heads. And while that happened like a little bit kind of early on, we pretty quickly established like if you have a critique you need to also come prepared with a suggestion on how to you know fix it or make it like what it is you're hearing in your head or whatever and once that kind of got established we avoided what i think is the biggest pitfall of collaborative writing which is just where someone comes in and is like yeah this sucks i don't like it and then that's just kind of where it ends so you know it it took a little bit of getting used to at first but i think once we hit our stride with it you know, like Mikey said, we ended up with an album that feels like it was written by a unit rather than like two different songwriters. Yeah, I, I kind of liked it to like being back in preschool and learning how to share. <laughs> I was like, I quit. No, wait, what? It's mine. <laughs> so, no, Greg, yeah, share the riffs with it the was class. A really good learning process, I think. That yeah, I think that the more that we do that, if that's how we're going to continue to do things in the future we will get better at it too. And now knowing how to, we can do this, I think it'll be, I'm excited to see what we'll do within this new way of doing things going forward. I like that because I would call it the up and downside to each version of, of songwriting as a, as a group, as an individual, you know, there's like in, as an individual, you can write something really super cohesive and not have to like have too many cooks or like have to use somebody's part because you feel obligated or to, you want them to have buy-in or something like that. And then writing as a group can be complete fucking chaos, but then you you could also wind up with something that everybody is pretty stoked on because everybody had a hand in it. So uh, it sounds like this was kind of a cool, uh, happy medium between those two. You didn't, um, you know, you've got the majority of the work done by one person, it sounds like, but then you, you're you allowing the, the rest of the band to have a hand in it. So you kind of, yeah, kind of, it sounds like it was the best of both worlds to to an extent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's really cool to hear. It sounds like, though, you present pretty fleshed out songs. Each one of you will sort of be like, here you go, here's something with all with all the parts and and all of that you do like what does it generally look like by the time you present it to the band is it a, is it like a demo with program drums and all the guitars and everything yeah it's usually um a full like flesh out with at least like drums and guitar part uh demo and then that's when we'll kind of like go in and see like oh this part like could be better or like Greg and I have done this in the past a lot that has helped with like solo sections where be like, okay, so here's a solo section. What do you feel about it? And it's like, oh, I'm not really sure what I can do here. Let's see if we can change it up to give it more like melodic characteristics or more things that uh, can just lead to a better uh, section. And then we've also had times uh, where 
like I hit a wall or something and we just pass it off. That's also worked. Okay. So yeah, you, you sort of need a, somebody else to come in and uh, hit the net and tee up the next idea. Cause you're yeah. <laughs> stuck. Cool. That, that's actually some of our, our favorite songs. I think that's happened. Yeah. I think that was genocide and proponent three. Yeah. That was really cool. The way those happens, they always turn out to be some of my favorites when it's like that. Cause then you're super invested in the other person, what they've already done. You're like, Oh dude, that's so cool. We have to do that. Let me, let me take a shot at it. Cause your part's super rad. So I think you're both kind of like very invested in the creation at that point. And then I think with this album, since we were all kind of doing that, it's like what you said, like everyone feels a lot more invested in the uh, overall product at the end. Yeah. What is the process? Because you guys are um, sort of writing a, a, a lot by yourself. What does it generally look like to take a song from whatever your initial first idea is through to this mostly fleshed out demo? Like, how do you generally go about it? Maybe think of like an example from this from the album, like Soup to Nuts. And I want to hear from both of you and then also Riley about how you do the lyrics. But first from Greg and Mikey, because you guys are working independently, I imagine you might have slightly different ways of going about it. Like for me, there's not one way that this happens. It's it, it kind of like there's multiple ways where it's like I have a theme for like maybe lyrical content that will inform, oh, how can I try to capture that with music? That's happened before. The other one is where it's just, you know, the, the best version where you just shit out a song, <laughs> right? Those are the best, right? Where it's like completely effortless, you get a song done in like a day. And then the other ones where it's like, I have no fucking clue. Let me just like do, I have uh, like a writing kind of like, uh, like exercise I do where I just get a whole bunch of rests, pick a mode or something and fill it in maybe like, and just start erasing notes or going, oh, that's cool, changing up the rhythm. And then it's it's a lot less of a natural way to write, but it, you can come up with some stuff that you would never naturally come up with. You know, it could be based on a chord progression. It could be based on uh, this, the opening track, uh, Bastards of the Earth, the intro classical guitar trio, the theme. We had the guy that does a lot of the orchestra stuff for Legion in the past, Joe Ferris, had written this orchestra kind of intro and uh, I took the themes from that and separated them and did a Baroque counterpoint between three guitars. So I like the, the and it's kind of <laughs> weird that we never even use the orchestra part <laughs> at the end of the day for Joe. But uh, yeah, just like you take the, like there's a melody and then you can stretch it between multiple instruments. And then when they come together, it's cool. It's like a, like a puzzle. Like can't one guitar by themselves won't give you the full picture until all three come together and then you get the full melody. And then, you know, once we did that, you know, it was like, Oh, cool. We can kind of take the, like the two main voices of that and put separate those by guitar. And then you have kind of a counterpoint for the band entering and then stylistically we've kind of made that like a little black metal. Did you guys say? <laughs> I think uh, have a very similar process to like what Greg said, where it could be multiple different ways. Just like sitting there and just like randomly play like riffs, like, oh, that's cool. Let's keep going. And it may, sometimes it could take like a day to write a song, sometimes like f four years. Like I think Into Embers was the intro was actually something I wrote like 2016 and then wasn't in like the right, like 
didn't finish it then found it when we were getting like doing stuff it was like oh i know exactly what i could do with this now was it a beast and worms that that was left over from apoptosis right yeah it was technically written um yeah for apoptosis but yeah we changed a bunch of stuff when that writing retreat so now it like doesn't feel like it's a old song <laughs> yeah like lots of different ways i've noticed i if i hear something in like say a different genre or something like that maybe like a pop song or something cool where it's like oh i wonder if that could be recreated in a certain way uh in this style so it's like try and make it somewhat better than just slayer riffs but lower tuned <laughs> traditionally allegiance kind yeah. of been a like a pop like form band with like chorus goes here and stuff like that but like playing with that where it's like verse pre-chorus verse pre-chorus chorus solo you know and building them in different less predictable ways that's always fun too and i know we we've kind of experimented with that on apoptosis we did there was songs that didn't have a chorus and uh just doing you know plugging those those different pieces into different orders can be a lot of fun yeah song structure is super important i think people overlook that a lot and it's cool to hear that you're really thinking about that yeah yeah not a whole lot of riff salad going on within a legion which is something i like because it like avoids the pitfall of a lot of other you know technical metal bands is that it's like you know not just 10 riffs for four minutes and that's the song usually a lot of structure involved one thing i wanted to mention that i've heard greg say in other interviews about like song inspiration that i always thought was really cool uh whenever he brings it up is i've heard him say like oh you know sometimes i'll have like a, a topic for a song and then I try to figure out how to recreate that topic in music. So like we have songs about like like natural disasters and stuff. And he's like, okay, this song is all about like a tsunami and then like an earthquake or whatever. Like how do I capture the essence of those things in a song? And I think that that's like a really cool way to approach songwriting because it, it it's like it's very theatrical. And so you end up with these big epic sounding songs, movie score type of stuff. So I wanted to drop that in there because I always feel like it's worth mentioning in these types of discussions. But for me, lyrically, usually I'll hear the song, you know, I'll identify the sections, I'll, I'll get, you know, a feel for what it's going to feel like from A to Z. And then I will just kind of like ad lib on top of it for a while. I'll play around with different patterns as I, you know, I'll, I'll stick the verse on loop and then play around with different patterns, you know, figure out how to lead into the next section. I'll usually use random poetry as lyrics for when I'm doing this. Like I'll pull up like Poe or Shakespeare or Emerson or something like that. Just something that has like generally pretty consistent uh, like rhyme structures and patterns and, you know, syllabic things that I can play around with. And then while I'm ad-libbing, I'll usually just like kind of read from one of those. So I'm not just ad-libbing, you know, into the, you know, over the section. So there's actually words so I can kind of get a feel for what it's going to sound like using these types of patterns with these types of syllables and stuff like that. And then once I have a pattern developed, you know, I'll move on to the next section, you know, add, add infinitum and then just kind of do that until the song is done and then go in and start writing my own lyrics for this album, the lyric writing process was a lot easier for me because I just kind of wrote what I was feeling in the moment. In the past, a Legion being like a science themed band, I've had to kind of cater what I'm writing to the subject matter and like figure out a way to be like, OK, like here's an interesting topic that are a scientific thing that I can 
you know, write about and turn TechCon into a metal song. Let me apply my writing style lyrically into this, you know, framework, basically. With this album, I didn't really have to do that. I was just kind of like, you know, I'm just going to write what I want to write and see how it comes out. And so it gave me a lot more room to play with patterns because I knew that I didn't really have to fit a mold, I guess. But yeah, usually it's it's patterns first and then lyrics. And then once the lyrics are down, you know, I'll play around with different ways to execute them, you know, which words to place emphasis on, which, you know, parts to, you know, hold out or keep short or whatever to kind of match the dynamic of the song. And then once we're in the studio, well, I guess there's another step before that with this last one, I presented like my demos to the band and everybody kind of gave their input being like, yeah, like, you know, this doesn't quite feel right. Or, you know, let's change up this part, maybe try this or this type of vocal. Cause that's the other thing is it's like, am I going to do lows here? Am I going to do highs here? Am I going to do gutturals or mid range or cleans or whatever? And so, um, got a bunch of feedback from the guys being like, yo, try this style here, try maybe doing this pattern here. And then once we all agree on something and we're in the studio, stuff continues to change from there because you never really know for for people listening that aren't super familiar with the recording process vocals always come last because that's when the songs are done like you know what all the dynamics are going to look like what everything's going to sound like and then you know it, it could be a very different picture than what you were looking at while you were writing the lyrics so stuff will change you know i'll add words i'll take stuff away it'll be like oh well this line doesn't really need to repeat or things like that and then once all that is done, you have pretty much the finished product as far as vocals go. Sweet. That's really interesting to hear. I love sci-fi stuff and the science-y, uh, you know, heady shit. I always tend to, I mean, mo- I think most people tend to sort of connect more to personal things in general. Metal seems to generally also attract people who don't connect in the same way to to lyrics in, in the ways that other people do and i think that's uh i think that's really cool in itself but also um i've always okay for example i really love power metal right but i always kind of like was like eh, whatever about like the dungeons and dragons like kind of i mean i like that kind of stuff but then i i heard sonata arctica and it was almost like i don't want to say emo but like very very deeply personal lyrics and i was like oh you're allowed to do that in metal Oh, yeah, I like that a lot. Let's let's have more of that, please. So um, that's really interesting to hear that uh, you took a, a more personal approach um, than writing about your bowel movements. I mean, that's pretty personal, too. But, you know, or like whatever. <laughs> like You can make bowel movements metal. You know, you just have to throw throw some big words in there like gastrointestinal. <laughs> yeah, and then exactly. all of a sudden it's like, yeah, this is this is. Oh, God, can you please write a song <laughs> about my IBS? Please. Yeah. <laughs> Consistency. <laughs> so, but what I'm hearing is that in general, you um you get a, a track and you are putting your parts on top of that for the most part. You're not like working it from the ground up. You you've got something basically a finished product to work with, although it sounds like on this one you guys were working it a little bit um more so throughout. Were there any parts of the songs that wound up getting changed because of something you wanted to do on vocals? Yes. There were a couple verses uh for sure that I was like, look, I'm having a really hard time like matching up like what I'm doing vocally, you know, either before or after this part with this verse you know let can we try to change up like the verse a little bit like make it feel a little bit more open and less like punchy 
because the punchiness of the verse is causing like my vocal performance to be a little bit more like stuttered and feel less like flowy like it you know like the other parts that precede it or uh come after it so there were definitely a few parts like that that got changed there were also a few vocal parts that like we wrote kind of as a group like in called home for example like the big part in the middle with all the different vocal layers you know we all kind of sat down together at like a writing retreat and just like hash that one out you know everybody in the same room being like oh well try this or try that or try this and try that so there's definitely a few parts that got changed the allegiant barbershop quartet yes yes exactly yeah a few parts got changed to accommodate vocals something that never really happens is i'm like oh hey i have an, a, an idea for like a vocal motif or like a pattern or a hook let's write something around this you know, just because with metal vocals are usually so percussive. And even though there are a lot of like clean vocal hooks on this record, they were still kind of like put, you know, structured around the music rather than the other way around. And I've told people that who work in like pop or alt rock and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, that's crazy because like usually we'll have an artist come to us with this like, oh, hey, I have this like hook in my head that I'm, I'm hearing vocally. Uh, can we like structure like a beat? around this so it's interesting seeing that dichotomy between genres that's super funny because i hear a lot of the time it's the other way around because they'll you know a lot of people make just these fucking weird wild beats and they that's their whole thing is they just make beats and then they send it off to somebody who who writes the top line it would also make more sense especially for an artist like you know pop artist like a lot of them are are dedicated performers. They're super good at singing and dancing and not necessarily writing, which is and they, you know, just get the best writers to write their shit and and they want to they want a little bit of a taste of the of the songwriting action. They want their name on the thing so that they can do interviews and be like, "Yeah, I really felt this one." It was and it, not just like it was written by so and so. That's a very interesting um yeah, like you said, a, a dichotomy, a different different ways that people go about it. Continue. I interrupted. I was just saying that, you know, metal vocals are usually very percussive, right? And so it's usually like you kind of have to have the music to know how to place your vocal performance because the drums are doing something crazy and the guitars are doing something and the bass is doing some, you know, crazy counterpoint to the drums. And like you have your rhythm section doing one thing and the guitar is doing something else. And usually it's all very technical and complicated. And so it's like... Yeah, I can, you know, zone in on the rhythm, right? Like I can be like, okay, well, this part's in 4-4, four, four, this part's in 5-8, or this part's in whatever, and just kind of like place my main syllables along that. But in order to make it interesting and, you know, varied and give it, you know, some some forward momentum for the listener, I have to, you know, kind of structure where I'm placing things to accommodate the song. And that's another thing that I always think about when I'm writing, especially as far as like stylistic approach. You know, if I'm hearing like a super, you know, fast black metal-y sounding riff with like a skank beat on top of it, like I'm not going to do death growls because it just doesn't make sense for the part. You know, inversely, if I hear something that's like super big and epic and wide open, like I'm going to probably, you know, default to doing cleans on that. And a lot of that is honestly just like a first listen type of thing. It's like when I hear it, the first time I'm like, oh, what'll sound good on this? You know, always subject to change. But as far as, you know, getting back to my original uh, original point, so I don't get too far off the rails here. Yeah, when writing parts, you know, it's it's usually music first and not vocals first. 
Gotcha. Let's see. What did it look like when you guys were collaborating? Like once you'd gotten most of the, you know, like you've now presented, uh, let's say, a song, uh, one of uh, one of the guitarists, and and now you're opening it up to the group, and you're because, like you were saying before, it would be like, all right, here's a song, like this is how it goes. Fuck you. Um, but now you're you're like, all right. What can we do to make this better? Here, I submit my my thing to you for for inspection and tearing apart. Like, what generally happened next? If let's let's say whatever song went through the greatest transformation from from one step to the next, well, give me like a little bit of an idea of what went down. I guess to carry my grief would have gone through the biggest transformation, and that was Riley had a hard time writing over some of the the verse ideas, which are very. Uh, based in like the mellow death thing, which, you know, we're, we're all very different people. So some of us do not <laughs> get into certain other styles that, you know, maybe the guy who wrote it is. So I, I hear a mellow death part and I'm just like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't listen to this genre. This is, this is confusing and strange to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, like there was, there was a little bit of that ha- had to be retooled and just because that one part had to be written the flow was completely lost so then you know a lot of parts had to be changed to accommodate that one change like so pretty much i think the whole song got scrapped except for the bridges they stayed put but then everything else got completely changed around just because it it wouldn't stand the way it was written with that one part change so it's like if the song doesn't flow then you're gonna kind of be i don't know like I'm not one of I don't have a huge problem with system but down, but one of the things that bugs me about that band is is sometimes I feel like they pick riffs out of a hat and just try to put them together that I don't like when as a listener, I feel completely jerked around by the flow. And uh, I mean, I guess that's part of the charm that a lot of people find system but down for me. That's kind of it, it it really takes me out of enjoyment of the music. So when you have to alter one part. I can't like it needs to flow in a certain way for me, like the voice leading and everything has to has to work, you know, like the chord progressions, the, the tension, the resolves, they all have to flow in a certain way that if one part changes, you know, you might have to alter a lot of other things around. And I think that was that was probably the most changed song, right? It was like a completely. Yeah, definitely. Went from mellow to kind of psychropticy. Yeah. <laughs> There are definitely changes like more subtle ones, like usually the solo section one that we always do, and then like verse riffs. But I noticed on this record, we also changed like kind of mentality, be like, hey, so this is a solo section, but does this song actually need this? Or would it rather like, should we have it kind of more focused towards the song itself rather than the kind of like shining moments? So uh, there's two songs, first time in Legion history that do not have guitar solos, but you can't tell. You fucking sellouts. I know. <laughs> no just solo? Hear the next record. <laughs> What's the point? Yeah, God. But you wouldn't be able to tell because then it's like the rest of it is the usual wankery. So it's good. <laughs> it's just craziness. See, I think that's fucking heroic that you guys were like so focused on making on the song part that you yeeted the fucking solo to make the song better. I love that. I love it. Eventually, Please we're not more. even going to play guitar anymore. It's going to be synths yeah. and Riley. That's it. Synth band. <laughs> I'm going to go home. <laughs> no. Like when Papa Roach released that that remix of Last Resort, they like redid the video for it, but everything's all like synthed out and like more modern production. But the guitar players are still there, but they're just kind of like holding the neck, just like vibing. 
but there's no like playing going on. <laughs> That's the They're future for a legion the right there. Yeah. <laughs> Greg's, Greg's having an aneurysm. <laughs> I know, Greg is just like, I will I will burn this band to the ground. <laughs> you can send out fucking just uh you know cardboard cutout cutouts on tour. You can stay home and collect that fucking woo money. Yeah. Death metal money. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be death metal money anymore though, because it'll all be uh, synths. So uh, yeah. is there more money in synthwave? I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think another thing to add to when things would get changed, everything Allegiant has always operated even outside of the creative portion of things, very diplomatically. So it's like a majority rules most of the time. So like if 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 an idea is presented and three guys are like oh yeah this is sick and two guys are like man i'm not really feeling it, it it will usually default to like the majority choice um you know sometimes it feels shitty being on the short end of the stick obviously but it prevents hang-ups you know what i mean like it prevents being stuck on a part because it's like okay well i don't like this but we're just gonna move forward with it um and and i think that that's also an important part of like when things get presented and changes you know need to be made how are we going to move forward it's usually done in such a way where it's like well here's the ideas everybody cast a vote also lots of notes on this album that was something that was kind of unfamiliar territory to me at least was it was like many many files of like okay, I'm going to write a timestamp and I'm going to write a note and I'm going to be like, hey, here's this part, you know, maybe do X, Y, or Z for this kind of thing. And then kind of going through the whole song or the whole series of songs and 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 doing that kind of stuff. And then being like, oh, everybody's notes are in the drive, review your notes and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah. Cool. I guess the question then is, in the past, you guys would just kind of be like, all right, cool next like it just would be what it was and then uh whoever had written the part it would just stay and not a lot of back and forth sounds simpler at least but at least with apoptosis super rushed with everything so like the amount of time you need to kind of like do it this way this wasn't available so for sure was simpler but i think that what really caused us to kind of have to be like okay like we need to reassess how we're doing this is that Greg and Mikey's writing styles have always been different. Like you can always tell like, oh, this is a Greg song. This is a Mikey song, at least before Damnum, in my opinion. And I think that their individual styles became different enough to the point where it was like, oh, this almost sounds like two different bands. And so that's kind of where we were like, what if we just like took a more collaborative approach so we didn't have this like very obvious disparity between songs. And I think that that was that was also a thing that it was like, yeah, the other way is simpler. But I think that if we do it this way, we might end up with something that sounds a little bit more cohesive. Ooh, such a moment because you go, well, we thought of a way in which it could be better. And it's so much more time and effort. But then you go like, if this is going to make it better, we have to do it. We have to put in the time and effort. And uh, that's that both sucks and is great because then you... When it works, you go like, oh, shit. And now you're going to have to do it every fucking time. <laughs> when, um, yeah, that's um, that's pretty great to hear. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, you know, like uh, Beatles had uh, the, you know, you can tell which bits are John and which ones are Paul. Sometimes whole songs, sometimes kind of intertwined, you know, like um, and I think that sort of thing is what makes some bands greater than they would have been had they been solo projects you know because after the Beatles broke up and you get the solo stuff 
it's kind of just I don't know. It's not that cool. Like, there was a balance between the two. John was very fucking weird. Paul was very straightforward. And they kind of, like, kept each other from being too weird or too boring. And um, so that's cool to hear that you um, you made a, a... You fucking fused a hybrid in the lab. That fits with the with the science theme. That's the science part of the album. Yeah, yeah exactly. we all got in that exactly. machine from the fly. And then, like... Yes. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> Yes. I think it's really funny that uh, you said you <laughs> you had a hard time with the mellow death parts. And here's why. This is so dumb. Every single time I see the name of your band, I think of the In Flames song where he says, Cree-age ion, which is like a total fucking made up word. But I think of that yeah. every single time. It's on like Horacle, I think. <laughs> I'm sure that's not where it came from. But no. great. So what is each of your... <laughs> What is each of your favorite song on the album and why? Mine is probably Only Loss, uh, the end track, um, just because I think that was like one of the last ones that was written. I think it kind of captured what like the whole album was trying to do. I just had kind of some of my favorite like vocal stuff and kind of favorite changes. And it's super bleak, which is great. Mine would be to carry just because the whole instrumental section is sick it's my favorite part in the album all the solos put back and back back every time that part comes on i'm like oh we're in spain now España. yeah <laughs> <laughs> take a little trip i do love that part i think that my favorite is probably also only lost but for different reasons than mikey except for the the, the bleakness and the thing is though is that i think that i find the bleak outlook lyrically of that song to kind of almost be hopeful in in a way in like press releases and interviews that I've done leading up to this point a lot of people are like hey so the lyrics on this album are like super dark and kind of you know bleak and and hopeless like is that how you feel like are you just like oh yeah like hope is gone you know everything is terrible and i'm like no it's like kind of the opposite what i you know was trying to set out to do with the lyrics of this album was to more so just like showcase things that like can sometimes be viewed as universal experiences. You know what I mean? Like everybody at one point in their life deals with grief and sadness and anger and, you know, frustration and hopelessness and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, to showcase those things in a way that I feel privileged to be able to do, which is like not only on a platform that people are going to, you know, hear it and be able to listen to it, but also in a way that it's like I I'm I, I'm a writer, you know what I mean? Like I'm a lyricist. Like I I have practiced for many years being able to articulate my feelings into words, and a lot of people can't do that. They just feel these things kind of into the void and don't really know where to place them. So when I write something that ends the album just being like only sorrow, just as always, you know, only loss, only loss, only loss, only loss. Like it comes off as very like oh my god, this is crushingly hopeless you know what i mean but at the same time you know the the mission i guess in behind doing that was to be like yeah like shit sucks sometimes but like you're not alone in feeling this type of stuff um and so i like that that song kind of gave you know an outlet to be like the whole album really but that song in particular kind of gave an outlet to be like here's these things, here's these things that a lot of people are feeling, here's these, you know, kind of horrible emotions to have to deal with and live through. 
but like we're all still here you know what i mean like the album's been written and getting released and we're gonna go play shows and even though you're feeling these things like it it gets better that's beautiful man beautiful yeah yeah really though so deep (laughs) i think that's a very important distinction for people to make because I think that especially in metal, people assume that we are all just fucking crazy psychos, either like from like Cannibal Corpse lyrics and death metal gore grind shit, like uh, horror stuff or like super depressing, like or whatever, these extreme emotions. And people are like, bro, you okay, bro? Like, do we need to call somebody? But it's like, no, like it's fantasy, but it's also real. And and some, some of it's more real than others. It's like, if you're watching a horror movie, you wouldn't go like, oh my God, that man is dead. And uh, what, who, who, why isn't anyone calling the police? It's like, bro, it's a, it's a movie. Like where you, you know, somebody made it to express a certain feeling. They're not necessarily like a secret psychopath and they want to kill people. Like it's, it's this experience, you know? And I really like, like you were saying, this this deeply personal thing and being able to express it without it being um, hopeless. It's still, it can still be fucking bleak. You can be, it's just real. You're just being real. And it's more than anything, you know, it's 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 less of a call to action to just like mire <laughs> yourself in being miserable. You know what I mean? More than it's like, oh, hey, I can relate to this. Someone that I was doing an interview with pointed out something interesting where they were like oh well i didn't think that you guys had lost any like any of the scientific stuff with this album and i was like well how so and he was just like oh well because it's just not you know physics anymore but it's still very psychological like it's very like there's still a lot of really scientific shit in here it's just expressed from a more personal space uh you know that people can kind of latch onto rather than just talking about certain topics you know like like physics or astronomy or stuff like that it's like oh we're talking more about you know psychology and and neuropathy and stuff like that which i thought was an interesting take on it because it wasn't really necessarily what i had set out to do lyrically but it's it's cool that you know it's it's just an example of how people will hear this and take it certain different ways you know and like you said metalheads often kind of get posturized as this like Oh, we're, you know, all bleak, depressed psychopaths with mental problems. I mean, that's true, but I just, yeah, kind of, uh, <laughs> but the thing about that is that like, those are the types of people that generally gravitate towards extreme music. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there's a reason that people who are generally, you know, happy, go lucky, carefree, don't listen to brutal death metal. And so, you know, knowing that these are the types of people who are going to gravitate towards these sounds, I feel is just that much more of a, a reason, I guess, to present this type of subject matter in a hopefully relatable way rather than like a this is life get used to it type of way yeah the next thing that i'm curious about is kind of slight a little bit of a tangent from from that but also sort of relates to the the craft side of it of expressing those things that you're that you're describing both lyrically and musically and get the feeling with this band unlike some of the other ones that i've interviewed that uh this is a good question to ask for you guys. And that's that just about how each of you has studied music composition and songwriting and any of any of those things the you know, theory, um, orchestration, a- anything like that, anything that you guys are doing, how you studied it in any formal sense or not necessarily like formal in the sense of going to school for it or taking lessons, but just studying it on your own in any kind of really focused way. I graduated from the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music 
with uh, bachelor degrees in classical guitar performance. So, and then on multiple occasions, I've gone to get my master's and then bailed on it because of the band. <laughs> Metal ruined your life. Yes. I knew it. I fucking knew one of you was one of you was a nerd. <laughs> I've done uh not any like as much formal training as like Greg, but like I took like jazz lessons for like four or five years. I uh, don't remember any of it because at that time I just wanted to sweet pick and my teacher would be like, No, you're gonna <laughs> learn Coltrane licks. I'm like, I don't wanna <laughs> I don't want to have phrasing. Yeah. He was like, no, you're going to listen to this and like play over changes. Be like, eh. Now I'm like, oh, wait, that actually helps now. That and like what you were saying with like analyzing music. Like if I hear something cool, I try and figure out like what they did, uh, how it's written. Or like if I hear like a weird song structure where it's not like first course, first course, and maybe it does have that or goes to something else and like completely changes. I just try to see what exactly they're doing and try and recreate as like maybe a task is like for fun. Or just say screw it. Four four. <laughs> it's all four four. Everything. Everything's four four if you're not a nerd. So I uh, grew up doing like choir, and uh, as I got into high school and kind of continued to do singing stuff. So my high school didn't really have much for that as far as like in school programs. So I started going to junior colleges for my electives. And uh, would do. I did like a jazz singers class. I did a couple of like theater singing classes. So I I learned how to sing as a group. I learned about things in singing, like you know forward momentum and and utilizing your diphthongs and 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 all that kind of stuff. You know more classically embedded vocal techniques. Once I started doing death metal, it was a lot of experimentation, obviously, because there's not really death metal classes. You know what I mean? Like there's a few people who teach it now, but back in 2000 2001 when i was breaking ground on these these styles uh it was just listening to other metal artists and and playing around with my voice you know unfortunately i had enough of a foundation to kind of access parts of my voice that might have taken longer if i didn't so i did that for a while and then once i was in college uh, i continued to fill up my electives with music classes so i took like a you know intro you know like like fundamentals of music one type of thing where I learned a little bit more about theory, you know, my circle of fifths and my, you know, like how to how to place things on a score and all that kind of stuff. I never learned how to sight read, unfortunately, but I'm also not very strong as an instrumentalist. So it's never really been something that I've needed to do a whole lot of. I did take a few classes for instruments that I don't play. How else are you going to learn? <laughs> yeah, right. I, well, so it was like theory and composition, right? So I learned about like how a woodwind functions and how it settles into a composition. You know, you can't score a piano part and then give it to an oboe player and be like, hey, do this. You know what I mean? Like you need to know how each instrument functions so that it can serve its place to, you know, serve the composition and create a dynamic. So I learned a lot about that as far as like theory and composition stuff. I took a few of those classes during college and that's kind of where my formal training ended. You know, I try to apply as much of that as I can to vocals, but again, it's like I can't take a guitar line and be like, oh, let me do this with my voice. You know, like I, I can, but it sounds bad. Bro, you never heard uh, Von Canto? Come on. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh god is that that band i fucking love yeah. that band but it, uh, yeah. the, it is a little ridiculous sometimes <laughs> it's, a, it's a choice uh, <laughs> but yeah so that's kind of 
my my journey through formal musical education is I have I have a little bit of it. I'm definitely nowhere near someone like Greg, but I have enough to to understand and get by. And, you know, carry carry my own in a conversation with people who are like Greg at least to a certain extent before they completely just lose me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious about your studying poetry and stuff like that because you mentioned a couple of of poets and stuff. So like just from the language and uh, i don't know english studies whatever what do you call that like learning words no big words liter liter literature poetry all that kind of shit literary arts yes those yeah anything in that same general idea studying that kind of stuff in any way yeah i mean those things have helped me learn how to write lyrics in such a way that they can be read without the context of music and i think that that's something that a lot of metal vocalists don't really do it's like here's a line of lyrics here's a line of lyrics here's a line of lyrics and they're generally all like centrally themed you know what i mean like they fit with each other it's not just like random babble but it's not the kind of thing where you can like read it long form and have it make sense like it reads much more like modern poetry and so i think that knowing a little bit more than the average person about like classical writers and you know having read all the canon and all that kind of stuff it's given me a better understanding of how to phrase things lyrically um you know how to how to express a message while still being you know kind of flowery and having those those you know elements of imagery in it that like paint a picture and have a landscape but still not just being you know as as staggered as as some other vocalists can be yeah especially in death metal or anything with harsh vocals you can get away with a lot until it's time to make a lyric video. And then people are like, oh, that's what he's saying? Okay, that's bad. <laughs> Although I feel like for some reason, people always make lyric videos for the songs with the worst fucking lyrics. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's, it's, I don't know what that's a symptom of, but people will send in stuff on my stream and be like, we, we did a lyric video and I'm like, sitting there listening and I'm just so distracted by how terrible and awkward the lyrics were. And I was like, I'm like, why? Don't do a lyric video. It's fine. If you don't have good lyrics, nobody has to know, yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's, that seem that's weird to me. Like, I guess it's the, the emphasis is on something different. It's on the, the sound of it, the feeling of the, the way the words sound or something. But yeah, that's, that seems to be a big problem, especially in metal. And I think that's, a little bit of why more so than any of the stylistic stuff that I think people normally think is the is the barrier for other people to get into metal who wouldn't normally. And I think actually lyrics are a big part of that because if you don't put a lot into that, that's the thing that most people gravitate towards. Forget the, how they're delivered. You know, like, sure, my my dad will probably never like love dying fetus you know like or the, the those you know any kind of growly screamy vocals but like if the lyrics are heartfelt and well written i think it matters a lot less and i feel like uh metal on the whole hasn't really gotten that so it's very very refreshing to hear you just care about it that much more than anything else that makes me very happy yeah i, th I think that honestly it's a byproduct of the fact that like vocals aren't usually what draws people in to metal you know what i mean like it's the music it's the musical performance like the musicianship is always such a high caliber you know what i mean like people will hear something that greg or mikey does like hear one of their solos and be like that like that's what's going to get them into a legion you know what i mean like just the the phenomenal playing and like this just impressive showcasing of like yo like i shred you know 
I think that people aren't going to, you know, it's it's much less likely for someone to be like, yeah, when he was like <laughs> stars torn asunder, exploding into dust. I really resonated with me. You know what I mean? Like it's like, <laughs> but then there's other parts of that song that people are going to be like, oh my God, the way that lead line comes in is so sick. And like, oh, I love what the drums did or something like that. So I think that it's because, you know, I don't want to go so far as to say that vocals are an afterthought in metal, but sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, and, and even when they are, you know, constructed, like you were saying, it's like, it's, it's less about the lyrical message more than it's about kind of what I was saying earlier about how the vocals are like a percussive addition to the music. Like they create a dynamic, but they don't do it from a melodic space. It's usually, you know, very, you know, abrasive and, and, and choppy and stuff like that. And it it sounds more like a percussive instrument than a melodic one. So I get where it comes from most times. um, And I understand why a lot of people who are like really phenomenal guitar players and are like, oh, well, this band needs a vocalist. I guess I'll just do it. And we'll just kind of, you know, figure out how to like, and just kind of put it on top because it's like, that's all you need. You know what I mean? The bar for what's passable vocally in metal, I think is a lot lower than the other instruments, but that's not necessarily to say just because there's a low, a low barrier for entry that you need to live there. Um, So I try to, you know, not just skate when I'm, when I'm writing, I try to, you know, put as much into it as I can, because it's like, I look at the dudes I play with, you know what I mean? Like if, if they're, if if they're delivering to the point where they deliver, you know what I mean? Like if I am listening to something that Greg wrote or something that Michael wrote or just anything from the band and I don't match that energy or like try my best to like meet that level of musicianship, like I shouldn't be the vocalist in my opinion so yeah that's that's kind of the 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 long version of where i think that kind of that phenomenon and metal and vocals comes from this is the place for the long version this that's why i made this podcast i want to hear all of that shit so keep that in mind you guys like i I know we had that discussion riley about like you know the emotional like impact of vocals like the performance would just be better if you're emotionally invested and that was we had that talk i remember pacing around my old living room having that talk on the phone going, Oh yeah. Like, you know, if I'm super emotionally involved in these things, you know, I can convey that a little bit easier than if I'm talking about microorganisms. And that was one of the the things that was like, yeah, you know what, if it's going to be better then maybe we should, you know, make the switch over. Yeah. Definitely want to have, you know, and it's not that like when I would write about stuff like, exothermic chemical combustion or or extremophiles and stuff like that like it was still all very interesting to me it just wasn't me you know what i mean like it didn't come from within it came from like it it was an external source of information that i then absorbed and kind of transformed into like my own version of it that i felt i could like express in a cool way but it just became not necessarily easier for me but more natural for me i guess to you know write from inside and kind of put that out rather than taking things inside and then regurgitating them in my own way. Yeah. The thing that you were saying about like vocals being an afterthought, like I, I think unfortunately in metal, that's true more often than not. And the thing that you were describing, like, Oh, like the guy in the band plays guitar and he writes a song. So he's like, all right, I guess I'll like learn to do some vocals just so that I, so that there's vocals so that there's something, but like you're a dedicated vocalist. You're that you're, that's your job. You don't play another instrument in the band. Like, there's no reason why you can't also care very deeply about it, make it very, 
d- do a great job of it, make real poetic things and, and, or, or whatever, like write great lyrics that people will really care about that will resonate with people, like you said. And I've always been like, you know, heard certain bands and been like, like, why wouldn't you just do that? Why wouldn't you just go like spend a little time on it? You know, and especially when there are dudes out there like yourself and uh, like Trevor from Black Dahlia, like I fucking love his lyrics, you know, like and there's so many other bands out there who kind of sound like Black Dahlia, maybe or like same general style. Uh, they do everything great, but like there are other bands who like, I don't know, maybe shred harder or whatever, or f- 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 not a lot, but fucking then you, then he's got these lyrics and it just hits me in the fucking gut every time. And I'm like, all of this, all of this together is, is what makes it great. Like a billion bands shred, but like the, the lyrical content is what's going to bring people back every time. Um, otherwise your audience become, is going to wind up being mostly musicians, you know, like, yeah, like you're saying, like people, people are like, oh, these guys shred. Um, like I think that because I play guitar <laughs> and like other, you know, the average metal fan might also think that that's kind of cool, but like, yeah, what brings people back is more often than not a lot, like really good vocals in ev- across styles of music. And then metals, it feels like metal's starting to get there. They're starting to realize like, oh yeah, that, oh, that's important. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but like when I started writing stuff that I was singing, it helped me care about the songs a lot more and it made me want to do more work to to make the songs better and to go out and play them and all that stuff yeah yeah absolutely well i want to touch on something real quick though is that like i what so something that always drew me to allegiant even before i was in the band is that like i think that that's what really separates allegiant and has contributed so much to the band's success is that like it's technical but it's not just musicians music you know what i mean like there's always been stuff in the music that has that that accessibility you know what i mean like there's there's like sick like dual guitar leads and like even within the solos there's these like really catchy little earworms and stuff like that and i think that that's something that that the musicians in the band have always done and i know that you know greg for a long time wanted to have like that met by like clean vocals and and stuff like that but just like you know couldn't do it you know what i mean like it wasn't it wasn't within the wheelhouse of the old vocalist and even after i came in it was like oh we don't want to just like dive right into this pool of like oh hey how we now we have clean vocals type of thing but i think that that's something that this band particularly has always been very conscious of of like yeah you know we're gonna attract musicians because we play fucking death metal but at the same time you know there's always super catchy shit like within the music uh and i think that that's something that has like i said contributed a lot to Allegiance success over the years. But yeah, that being said, it is important to be invested in it and care about it. I know Greg has also written tons of lyrics for Allegiant. And, uh, you know, the songs, some of the songs that Greg and I have collaborated on lyrically, like when I first joined the band and a bunch of shit for Proponent for Sentience was already written, are like some of the best songs on that album. You know what I mean? It, it just leads back to that like collaborative nature of making music together. You know what I mean? Like I think that a huge part of why we're able to why we were able to shift is because like we all really respect each other as musicians. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's any weak links in this band. I think that everyone brings something to the table that is unique to them and their experience. And it puts them above a lot of other players, uh, you know, to be frank about it. And I think that being able to see that in each other and admire it in each other is something that has made our 
music and our songwriting process, you know, become what it is today. So it's not, it's, it's not only caring about the music, I guess, like it's important obviously to like care about the music and be attached to it and, you know, have that heart towards what you're doing. But I think that like the fact that we all care so much about each other also is visible in our songs. Who are you? <laughs> that is the sweetest except, thing. Except these guys. Anybody's except said these guys. I don't, I don't care about so them. <laughs> I don't care about them at all. Uh, <laughs> You're like present company excluded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Fucking adorable and super and super sweet and and true. There's a lot of bands where people fucking hate each other. And I've always, I was always like, how do you do that? How are you in a band with somebody you don't like or respect? You know, like, what the... F- like, I mean, you know, sometimes uh, you spend too long in a van with somebody and you figure out that you're not particularly compatible as friends. But like, Jesus. So that's great to hear, if nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's not to say that we don't have flare-ups here and there. You know what I mean? Like, it's you do spend a month with someone in a van and it's just like, God, this guy is getting on my fucking nerves. <laughs> But like, that's, you know, that's not going to make me be like, yeah, fuck this guy forever. You know what I mean? Like there's being in a band is extremely hard dealing with a whole bunch of other people's personalities. It's like, what's the divorce rate in the U.S.? (laughs) 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 I want to know, what do you think that that's something that you guys do that nobody else is doing? Do you think that there's something that is very specific to a legion that you guys do compositionally or or whatever that that you don't really hear in other bands i think what greg brings to the table is something very unique to this band i think that like greg's knowledge of music and his ability to incorporate like so many different styles of classical performance into a legion is something that not a lot of other bands do and that's not to say that other bands don't you know have like acoustic sections or classical sections even but i don't think that anyone does it like greg that's my my thing i think we do different well that that's nice (laughs) it's it's a hard it's a hard thing to dissect your own thing and then compare it to others you know uh i mean i i can say that it's trying to always be catchy so that you can grab not only just metal audience but you know the wide audience I mean, that's always kind of been like the mission statement, as it were. It's got to be hooky, like hook is king, right? We're already in like a very niche genre in a niche genre. So it's super important to try to appeal as to many people as possible while, you know, maintaining what you are fundamentally. Cool. I just think especially with who we have now, it's just every single member is bringing something different, something new and like at high caliber levels. Again, not saying that other bands are trash, but they are. No. <laughs> I don't really know like a other group where again, like what Riley said, like I we don't really have a weakest link. The guy who thinks that there's no weakest link is always the weakest link. Oh yeah, I've said it before. Like, no it's shit, now I am. <laughs> You're like, oh wait. <laughs> well I, I wanna add kind of what Greg said where it's like it's it's hard to look at your own product and and dissect it that way like i don't think any of us go into the songwriting process being like okay what are we going to do different than what everybody else is doing you know what i mean like we just kind of write our songs and it comes out a certain way that i think is unique because we're all coming from places of different influences but it's it's tough to look at it and be like yeah what's this one thing that we have that no one else has that is totally unique to us because we don't really go into writing our songs with something like that in mind yeah well 
let's talk about then, because you mentioned uh, influences. Was there anything that you guys were listening to either during the making of or before that, that you feel like had a, a profound influence on the writing process or even just a small one? I think to everyone's chagrin, I was listening to a lot of like up and coming deathcore stuff. And I think that that definitely colored my some of my vocal performance taking notes from dudes like you know ben from shadow of intent or joe from fit for an autopsy and stuff like like listening to what these very highly lauded deathcore vocalists you know even like dave from signs of the swarm or uh you know obviously travis from cattle has always been a huge good good friend and a huge inspiration of mine but i think that that was definitely something that i had not like I, i never really liked deathcore you know, like for a long time and only really in this most recent wave of it, because Deathcore kind of has always gone in waves. You know what I mean? It's always had like, OK, well, it's like, you know, you look back to like the early mid 2000s where bands like Suicide Silence and Whitechapel were kind of coming up and and it was more had that like MySpace core type of stuff attached to it. You know, and then there was like another wave of Deathcore where it was more more death than core. You know what I mean? But then it had the big, long, slow breakdowns and stuff like that. And with this most recent wave, it's like it's like blackened deathcore. And I think that's what kind of grabbed me because I have always listened to black metal and, and vibed with it. And so when that kind of hooked me into the genre, I started hearing more things about it that I could appreciate. Um, and, you know, I think that deathcore is kind of at a point now where it's like your vocalist is what determines the merit of your band. So I took a lot of a lot of influence, I think, from from some of my peers in the in the deathcore community i don't really know what i was listening to um a lot of kind of like going back to things that i think when i found like as a teenager like, like the early like morbid angel records and stuff like that and then seeing what i liked from them and like messing around like i think the was it the one riff and like uh only loss was just me listening to a lot of morbid angel <laughs> just be like hey just make it really gross and heavy definitely some like black metal stuff like going back yeah it's a lot going back like finding uh older records that i liked and then kind of seeing what i liked about them and kind of trying to recreate those same feelings i guess my stuff is always going to be different than my fellow band members <laughs> mostly like mellow death stuff for me a lot and then uh, i you know of course listen to a lot of psychropic and then uh, actually the like the the newest artist that I would listen to on this is Sewin. Like uh, a student showed me Sewin, and I got really into a few of the songs that we were learning in our lessons. So I mean, people are like hearing Opeth. I'm like, eh, you might be hearing Sewin instead of Opeth, really. Cool. That's very interesting. I think that's the first time I've heard that from you, which makes a lot of sense. Sewin rules. I'm interested that uh, all of you said uh, metal bands. I mean, I guess like obviously that you guys play metal i guess i've noticed a lot of metal bands like will kind of get a little uh, a little burnt out on it and listen to a, like in their home listening listen to other stuff because they're making death metal all the time then they like they're like all right we go home and listen to something chill <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah that's absolutely true i know for me and mikey especially is like you know the the analogy i always use when people are like oh you don't really listen to that much metal is i'm just like bro if you worked in a 
pizza parlor for 10 years and people are like, oh, what's your favorite kind of pizza? You're like, I don't eat pizza anymore. (laughs) You know, like, but at the same time, I think that there's like a weird kind of pretentious fart sniffy thing among metal musicians where they like pride themselves on not listening to metal. And I'm just like, bro, like, I know you still listen to metal. You know what I mean? Like you can't make metal without listening to it every once in a while and like that's why we make it is because we listened to it at one point i'm sure exclusively and like you know it's it's silly to like just because you've moved on and found other interests in different styles of music to like discount the fact that like you're still a metalhead when it boils down to it but yeah i i definitely listen to a lot a lot of not metal but you know if i'm gonna share you know what influenced my vocal performance on my most recent death metal album i'm not gonna be like well i was listening to a lot of baths and uh i love him and so that's what made me do what i did like it's because that's just not the case it's a good point despite the fact that i do listen to a lot of baths and i really like him i did phrase it in such a way that was how much it yeah. influenced the, the writing so i guess it, that i should consider that the next time i ask that question you're like i was listening to a lot of this one band a legion yeah <laughs> ew we sound just like them here's one that i feel like it's a little weird asking because i keep asking this in a time when live shows aren't really happy i mean they're coming back and it's been kind of like this you know a lot of them get announced and then canceled and some of them are happening some of them aren't um when you're writing songs do you often consider whether or not they will pop off in a live scenario somewhat yeah it's kind of we kind of don't know what'll work live until it's kind of at the end Vocals are on it and it's kind of all like finalized and then you can kind of see just even while like maybe practicing at home, be like, oh, okay, this like this should work really well live or this maybe won't or like will be just a different vibe. But yeah, I, I usually can't really tell until it's like at the end. I mean, sometimes you think songs are going to go over live and they bomb. Like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. It's going to be the emotional enemy. Like that bored everyone. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> it was like we made that rule: no subdivisions live. Yeah, yeah. It's the yeah. end. out. I think what for two tours, and then it was just like, yeah, no more. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody liked Mm-mm. it, but they just yeah. It's like here's the energy level before, and then mm, goodbye. And then you have to like spend the rest of the set trying to get it back up to that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely some of that. I think that I, I do think about what will go over well live. Sometimes as far as like what can people like sing along to. But again, it's like you have to meter your expectations like you have to, you know, as much as I would love to go out on this next tour and play Beast and Worms and have everybody singing along with the chorus like it might just not be that way. You know what I mean? Like so it's like I think about it, but it's not like a driving creative force. I'm not ever usually like, oh, this is like the live song. This is the one that everybody's going to be, you know, chanting to and stuff like that. But if it works out that way, then great. I, I usually have hunches on what song is not going to work. I, I usually can tell you what is not going to work when I'm playing it for a tour, getting in rehearsal for tour. So I have one on this upcoming tour that I'm like, I don't think the song's going to work. I think it flows brilliantly, but I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Name names. Call out. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> this is now a call out podcast. Yes, that's right. What if like it works really well and I put that out into the universe and I curse it? I'm going to keep it to myself until we're in a room together and I'm going to go, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Write it down on a piece of paper, put it in a sealed envelope and mail it to yourself. 
and yeah. then <laughs> when when you come back from tour make a video open it up and be like see i fucking knew it yeah <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like money laundering for like bad energies uh just like <laughs> if i don't put it out into the universe in a conversation you know, if I if I put it in an envelope and then I send it out, like that kind of it it navigate confuses the spirits. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, yeah, I I, uh, I know what you mean. Like all ten people and my mom who listen to this podcast will be like, be like, oh yeah, you're right. They'll be standing there at your show and they'll be like, oh here comes that song. Yeah, he's right. This isn't really working live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna mosh, but I'm not now. Fuck that. Yeah. Um, thanks, Greg. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> Greg, the ruiner of fun. Yeah, uh, that's awesome though. Um, that you're uh, that you're not fucking letting it. I don't know. It can, can be very important, but it can also be a, a big distraction from the songwriting process. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what kind of band you are. You know, like if you are mostly concerned with the big live show and less so about your i don't know streaming like if you like you got to go out on tour and like if your songs suck live then that sucks no matter what like but if that's the your primary concern you might not make very very interesting music that satisfies you so that's something that i always ask because you know um some people are like oh no that's that's everything like that's <laughs> they I, who fuck was it putney I think last week I asked Will Putney because I was curious about it because he doesn't tour with the band. Um, so I'm like, are you thinking about, you know, s- sending these boys out on the road with us? <laughs> really good uh, songs for live because he hadn't mentioned it throughout the whole interview. And he was like, oh, yeah, I mean, that's just always in the forefront of my mind to the point where I don't even really consciously think about it anymore. But it's just it's just habit. And I really I'm really very concerned about it, but I don't consciously think about it. Something like that. And uh, so I'm I'm glad that I asked. Well, I I think there's a lot of different ways to translate it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we write really technical music you know sometimes it's hard to mosh to sometimes it's hard to you know jump around to and and it doesn't you know have necessarily the same you know simplicity that other genres of metal might have that that cater more to that but the thing is is that like energy is contagious you know what i mean so it's like when we go up on stage we pull our fucking balls out you know what i mean like we put everything into our performance and bring that energy to the stage and whether or not you know the music is you know, going to be some like four, four breakdown banger that everybody can just like, you know, tear the place apart to. I think that they see us performing and it like hypes them up and makes them want to meet that energy and match it. So I think that it's just like knowing, knowing your music, knowing your audience and like knowing how to not only be a musician, but also be a performer is, is like the, the holy trinity of playing live. Absolutely. So I'm curious about something that I, f- I find this related in the sense that it's um, a lot of times you write, you write stuff that you think is, uh, is great, it's a certain thing, you, then you wind up playing it for a long time and you start to kind of see it through the, the eyes of the audience to a certain extent because you, you play it and you get the energy back or you don't. And then you go like, oh, shit, like, we're not doing that again <laughs> or, or whatever. <laughs> like, kind of like uh, when you show a friend a song that you're working on and the second that you hit play, you you realize all the stuff that's wrong. You, you see it clear as day. And then you're just like, fuck, how did I miss that? Whatever. Um, is there anything that you guys have done on previous albums that you 
like consciously were like we're never doing that again <laughs> even though they did pretty fucking good no they did they did great but that's kind of the problem is that like we're not a cover band when our covers are getting more traction than our originals like that's a problem so i think that like not having covers on the track listing of an album is something that we probably won't do again but that's that's just mine my my thing that i think i've noticed we've you know cut the fat from over the years okay are there any really systematic aspects of your of the way that you go about writing songs is there anything that like once you've got like for example a theme a motif some kind of musical idea or something is there anything like really systematic that you go about like a a, a very certain way not necessarily for every song but anything that you like you really do in a very um very structured way um maybe for like a I think going back to like the song structure thing where it's just like I actively think about like verses and choruses and all that, unless it ends up being something that I started on where it's not like it's going to be something different, more like freeform structure type thing. That's usually what if it's like the, if there's any systematic stuff for me, it's usually just trying to be like, OK, let's figure out the parts, make sure they all work, make sure they're all strong and able to kind of like kind of stand out on their own and then also work together i mean i i don't really have one i would say flow like that's that's my biggest pet peeve it's like the stuff has to flow together without any jerky uh movement for my ears but apart from that if you're if you're too systematic it gets sterile really quick and so i don't know like maybe you do something subconsciously but uh not consciously i would steer away from that uh, as much as possible are there any tricks that you do to keep that flow that stuff that you do to make parts flow together better or whatever i mean i, I would say voice leading and then resolution of, of uh, tension that could be you know everything especially I, i've been studying jazz pretty heavily for the last i don't know year no, since COVID's happening and just studying more like advanced forms of dissonance and, and resolution when you start dealing with more than just you know your tertian you know, sonorities. I've been waiting this whole time to hear you say tertial sonorities. Tertian sonorities. I said it. Tertian like, sonorities. Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been goading you in that direction hey, the whole time. Say here, tertian sonorities. Tertian sonorities. Do you have extended sonorities? <laughs> we do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> I hate myself so much. <laughs> if it helps, uh, I hate you too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's great. That's f- so you're thinking, but you're thinking harmonically more than yeah. more than anything else. More so than I don't know bass drops and. I mean, I would say either two ways: like making sure your voice leading leads into the next part, or like harmonically it resolves, you know, or your you know, you know your cadence. One of those big uh, pop tricks is when it goes to a bridge. It's it's the you know, it's the deceptive cadence. So instead of your five to one movement, your five to six. That's a good one that you can throw in there every once in a while. Do that too much, and then, yeah, then it becomes systematic. I noticed that you guys have really good voice leading. I noticed that your voice leading is great, especially with those tertian. Uh, but no, but what I think is really important about that is that you have these, like I was saying, these very adventurous chord changes. And I think that people don't don't realize how crazy you can get if you have really good voice leading um you can do stuff like that and it doesn't sound 
crazy wild. Um, it it just feels right, but it feels more. You you feel this huge pull, these these nice undercurrents moving you from place to place, and it doesn't just sound like, but it, like really well harmonized and stuff like that. So it's the ABBA trick. Elaborate on the ABBA trick. Oh, have you ever like deconstructed ABBA's music? It's insane. I have not. Like it's all. It sounds. It's like exactly what you're saying. Where it's like it all flows and it's all like doesn't not jarring or anything but like you look at this score and it's changing like all these substitutions and everything for all of it so let's listen to more abba metal people for the love of god listen to more abba <laughs> okay dancing queen boom learn it that's gonna be the fucking headline to this listen to more abba <laughs> what have you done <laughs> ruined your metal credit thought- it's all gone uh- I thought for sure it was going to be tertian sonorities or whatever the fuck you said. Uh. (laughs) Fuck. Yes, ABBA's fucking great. Super underrated. Um, I have not really dissected their shit, but like now I really want to. It's very tough all of the time is what I'm trying to say with guitar because the fucking guitar, like there's this like, you know, power chords sound great because it's a fifth and the fucking just the harmonics when it's there's so much gain you know like so people tend to stick to that kind of stuff so then you know power chords and like lead melodies and that tends to be the way that it the way that it goes but um how are you doing this great voice leading with with that dichotomy being the usual thing how do you get how do you get past that well i mean if they're riffs you you have a little bit more leeway because you're not dealing with just those two notes right and then it's can kind of play. But Mike has some really, really interesting chords where he'll keep a static note and then move his bass note around. So you end up doing all this crazy shit with one, almost like a pedal point, but it's just kind of like a bass note's moving over static. Mm. So like a, a an upper pedal tone instead of a like a lower one. That's the fucking every metal riff in history over a low open string. You're doing the hard way. It's almost like a singer-songwriter with the slash chords. How they have, you know, it's like an A minor, but you're playing an F on the bass. And and Mike does that a lot with a lot of his chords, where he has a chord set there, but he almost treats it like a singer-songwriter, where the chord still stays there, but the bass note is constantly altering. Yeah, it's like trying to make it still sound coherent, but like more interesting. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, ultimately, I think there's there's the whole orchestration across three instruments the two guitars and bass that we keep in mind a lot right because if you just focus on one guitar part you kind of really almost have to just stay really simple because it gets muddy real quick but if you spread the voices out amongst three then you get a lot of clarity especially and then you can be super stored in the album awesome i noticed a lot of um really intricate arpeggios in your music and i that was the first thing that i thought of is that if you're not playing all of the notes on top of each other at once you could probably get away with a lot more because you don't have to yeah if you separate them out by instrument but also within time within the measure you still get the feeling of this arpeggio of this chord but now it's arpeggiated and then you can um, do really awesome voice leading within that but i i don't want to answer the question for you that was just the first thing that i thought of that i heard in your stuff no no i think you're right um Another thing is like if you're having like a big like kind of shreddy section or something like that or arpeggiated section, at least for me, if you try and like keep a little bit less melodic content or like some unnecessary notes in the rhythm voicing, it kind of leaves it to be more open. 
So like you can do like I do a lot of octaves and like that that descending bass note thing where you're then kind of doing like a nine chord with it, but you're still getting the same like melodic content that you need for that part if it's like minor major or whatever. But it's you're, it's not getting as muddy, so it's letting it not be as like overwhelming. A little bit clearer. Yeah. Oh boy, those are the kinds of answers I'm 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 trying to dig out of you. That's fucking that's gold to me. Less notes. I mean, it's all really good, but that's the those are the juicy nuggets your boy is looking for. That's fascinating. Mainly because I haven't really heard that out of any other any any other bands before. You guys are really thinking about that kind of shit. And that's that to me is is the jam. Le jam. Le jam. <laughs> What is it that you are generally trying to achieve? You, you talked a little bit about the the sort of mission statement for the band. Is there something that you are typically trying to achieve when you're writing these songs? Like something that all of your canons are pointed at, um, that you feel like, even if you don't name it as you're doing it, that you're like, we are trying to achieve this with all of this. I mean, I think like what Greg said about it just being hooky, you know what I mean? Like having memorable music, like music that isn't a chore to listen to. If there's one thing that we always talk about or something that's been like widely acknowledged within the group, it's that like the song is the most important thing. You know what I mean? Like whether I want to put this part in or someone else wants to do this one thing, like if if it's not going to work with the song like it needs to be viewed as a secondary. And I think that we're always, you know, from song to song being like, what's going to make this the the best version that it can be. And again, I think that that's a thing that it's like you said, it's like not really something that we think about super actively as we're writing, but definitely as we're moving the needle forward on where the song is going. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 that thing that all of our canons are pointed at is it's just like, how are we going to make this song the best song that it can be? Which sounds kind of generic and cliche now that I'm saying it out loud. But like, I think that it's it's true. You know, it's like the end product of the song is king. That's what guides us through our writing process. I don't think that's generic at all, especially since nobody else has said that yet. Uh, well, I just figure it's like everybody wants to make good songs, right? Like, that's, you, you know, it's like, that. yeah, we want to make good songs. That's what guides us. Like, duh. Like, <laughs> worse. You could have said Turch and Sonorities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just want we just want to be ABBA 2, Electric Boogaloo, but with yeah. Turch and Sonorities. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to the next level, quartal sonorities. Yes, yes. That's where the science part of the band comes in. You guys are like, what would it? What if it was hexaceptuple sonorities? How do we achieve? Where do we get that? None of us are that good at math. <laughs> <laughs> well, then uh, all those fucking memes about like bands with odd time signatures and the math pits. You know, like what they do in the in the like a dream theater mosh pit, and it's just a bunch of math. <laughs> you guys fucked up that could have been you but you playing I mean, i'm in engineering school <laughs> oh. stupid wanting to make songs so one of you <laughs> is good at, is good at math at least then yeah. <laughs> um kind of that's cool oh so that's why you're the guy who programs the patch changes yeah is that what your degree is in? Yeah, it's a it's from fractal university <laughs> <laughs> i make it go from one to the other in a millisecond. 
That's all you need. It's pain in the ass. Magic. <laughs> yeah. It's a, oh, fuck, sounds like it. Do that. I don't know. All right. So I keep saying that I'm going to be giving people this question in advance so that you can think about it. <laughs> but I fucked up and I didn't do that. So I'm going to spring it on you in the moment, which so far has not worked at all. But it's a work in progress. Um, the The final question. It's basically like, what is the single song that has influenced, do you think, each of you the most? Not just your favorite one, but the one that you think has influenced how you go about what you do the most, more than any other. If you can't think of a single song, then maybe an album. This is one of those questions that it's like, I think time is important. You know what I mean? Because it's like in, influenced me how? Like influenced me becoming a metal vocalist? Like influenced me with this last record? Like I will say what's influenced the way that you write more than anything else on the whole for, for the entirety of your musical career so far, not just this album. Midian by Cradle of Filth, easily. I had not only never heard vocal performance like Danny Filth does on that album, but I had never seen anyone write lyrics that were so close to like academic level poetry like his understanding of the english language is outrageous and i think that like that's really where it all started for me was like how do i do this how do i have this insanely wide range as a vocalist like how do i how do i do that like he does it and then not only that but how do i like paint these pictures and tell these creepy gothic stories you know this this almost lovecraftian type of storytelling like how do i accomplish that at the same time as being just this like vocalist who to my 13 year old mind could do anything so yeah for sure midian by cradle of filth that album is is what sent me down this road mine would probably be trace the air from cynic because like when i found that record it was Kind of like that, like the scene in Wizard of Oz where it goes from like black and white to color, because I was only listening to like certain types of bands, like thrash metal, stuff like that, found that, and then just saw how like songwriting in metal could be completely different and like way more open, way more melodic and super still memorable. Like you can pretty much sing in like any parts of Trace and Air and like that's always just stuck with me. I think I would have to go with images and words just from big chords usage to space between the instruments to shred to like more techie type rhythm kind of had it all fuck yes and i also love that even though all of i can hear all of that stuff in your music i wouldn't say that you sound like any of that except that you've taken the those things that you mentioned and the it it just kind of comes out in your own way um, all that's that all all three of you mentioned I can I don't hear like it doesn't sound like you took any of that stuff like you are I don't know like uh, trying to sound like that but you took the the things that they do well and you tried to do things as good in that same general idea I love that I think that's a great spot for us to end so thank you guys so much for taking the time and for giving me very thoughtful answers um, especially when I ask fucking weird ass questions um <laughs> no other, i'm sure most other interviewers are like so how's the tour going and i'm over here like tertial sonorities i want more more <laughs> so thank you so much for taking the time this is your chance to plug the shit out of all of your stuff i want to hear it 
where can people find the things that you want them to find and what are they? I mean, obviously the new record, Damnum, out February 25th on Metal Blade Records. You can get it by going to metalblade.com slash allegion. That'll link you out to whatever your regional store is in the U.S. North American landmass. It's through Night Shift merch. Um, I believe overseas it is through uh, Kings Road. Yeah. I mean, we have a tour coming up with Omnium Gatherum that leaves, I believe, like the day after the album comes out on February 26th. It's a full U.S. Canada run. And uh, that's going to be with Omnium Gatherum and Black Crown Initiate. We have, you know, some stuff lined up for Europe later down the year in November, December. We had to push a tour we were going to do with Archspire, Rivers of Nile, Black Crown and To the Grave. It was supposed to happen last November, but obviously, you know, COVID. So we're pushing that to this upcoming November. And that's everything that we have as a band that's that's on the books right now. Obviously, our Patreon is still active, always has been, probably always will be. We post once a week, even if it's just a small update. Uh, we actually just posted some unique to the platform content just yesterday, I want to say. So, you know, you can find us there if that's the level of support that you're comfortable with. We are always grateful to have people on there. I think I think that's it. Oh no, sheet happens. We have tab books. We have tab books that, like, for the first time in our careers ever, you know, only took us five five albums to get there, but now we have them. It's a it's a new thing for us, and you know, I know that it's something that has been requested to Greg and Mikey a lot over the years. So head over to Sheet Happens and check out Allegiant stuff. I think we have two two albums on the slate. Uh, yeah, Apoptosis is out now, and then uh, Damn Them and should be coming third. out. Yeah. You'll be able to learn songs that you haven't even heard yet. <laughs> exactly. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Although I guess if it's if it's on tour, it's the day it starts the day yeah. after the album comes out. So And that will begin because we're gonna do all the records uh going backwards from after Damnum's out. So the beginning of a lot of music for people to play. So that's sheethappens.com. Yes. Awesome. That's I mean, that's a lot of work. That's a um that is a fucking endeavor. <laughs> you guys play a lot of notes. Um, <laughs> uh, so if you want to learn all of this, uh, how to do awesome voice leading and tertian sonorities on the guitar that you didn't know existed, <laughs> that's the fucking place to do it. And if you want to hear them, go see these boys on tour. They're going to be crabby from smelling each other in the van. So you're... Your ticket money and and banging your heads to all of the songs, okay? Even the ones that they didn't think were gonna pop off is gonna is gonna be the best way to support them. New album is fucking awesome. I will actually listen to this one. Um, Unlike all the others, not just for research. <laughs> Unlike all the other ones. So check all that out. I put links in the description where you guys can find the stuff as well. Thank you guys so much. Good luck with the tour. Good luck with the with the album drop. Um, I'm very excited to see how it goes. Um, hopefully, I'll get to come out and see you when you play LA. Yeah, play in LA, of course. Great. Yeah, come out, hang out. It's fucking half the reason I live here is because everything comes through, and then I the world fell apart. Great. So very excited for that. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you all real soon. Okay. Thank you, man. Thanks, man. Always good talking to you. Thanks so much for listening to the How Songs Are Made podcast. You can find all of our episodes and more information about the podcast at howsongsaremadepodcast.com. And for more information about my songwriting course, Complete Rock and Metal Songwriting, head over to howsongsaremade.com. 
New audio episodes of the podcast every Wednesday and the live stream of the podcast. In case you want to see me do these interviews live with video, head over to youtube.com slash gear gods every Monday at 11 a.m. PST. And I'll see you then.